from Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. Welcome back to Warriors Weekly, the official Glasgow Warriors Club podcast. It's been another quiet week here at Scotston, but the players are back in on Thursday. On this week's show, we catch up with Rory Jackson after his 150th appearance for the club against Zebra a couple of weeks back. And to celebrate International Women's Day, we catch up with parts of the medical team here at Scotston with Nicola Maguire and Gabrielle McCulloch, two of the club's physios, to talk about their roles at Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast. Hey, thanks for coming in on your day off. How are you? How are you spending this week? Lots of um, Netflix on the sofa, or yeah, for instance. It's been no Netflix on the sofa. Yeah, I can't wait for that. But um, no, I've been down, down in London, um, trying to sell a bit of gin. Um, yeah, my week's off now, turning to uh, a second job. Um, I'd say you're working. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan cracks out the whip, and he's like, "No, you can actually do something." So, um, so yeah, so just busy, busy trying to do, fill, fill my time with that. What Netflix have you got on the go at the minute? Um, so we're watching uh, with my wife Dirty John um, it's quite interesting it's pretty messed up <laughs> Dirty John is a bit of a he's a, dirty he's a bit of a so and so yeah not a great bloke um, we were talking about abducted in plain sight and then you said mate you need to watch that absolutely <laughs> ridiculous I know but I heard it's infuriating somebody was, somebody was telling me they actually had to turn it off they were just getting so annoyed with it it's yeah. mental have you watched Fire as well the Fire yes <laughs> Mental, <laughs> absolutely yeah. mental. It's like that, but like times ten. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's mad. Different levels. Uh, let's speak about the weekend. Your one fiftieth. Um, did you celebrate in style afterwards, or was it a quiet one? Um, cracked open a few bottles of red wine, but um, just stayed in the hotel with a few few of the older boys that were there. Let the young guys go out and <laughs> do the partying. Um, so that uh, was good. It was nice to nice to get the win, and yeah to be able to enjoy some uh, some red wines was a was a nice little weekend. Are you the I should have done my research. Are you the long I know you went away, but are you the longest serving player at the minute? Is there anyone is there anyone here now who was here when you joined? Um No, I don't think so. That's a good point. because um, like the likes of Rob, Fuzzy They come the year after. They maybe came just the year after. Um but yeah, um yeah, I don't know in, t- yeah, in terms of time, but yeah, since yeah, I, was, I was here first, I think, out of all of that, that lot, the little three-year sabbatical. Was it ever, did you ever think when you first joined that it would, it would no. pan out how it's panned out? Did you have any? No, not at all. Um, at that stage, you're just happy to get one game. Um, never thought about sort of 50, 100, 150. Um, it was never landmarks that I sort of had, had in my mind. Um, it's been a pretty crazy journey, and it was one that I'd never thought I'd get to as well. Because when I left, I wasn't sure I'd ever come back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to to get to get to one fifty is it's going to be cool to look back on once once I'm finally done. Any any particular highlights in there? Any games that? Yeah, there's a few memorable ones. Um, obviously, like everyone talks about the the Bath first start down at Bath that mm-hmm. went pretty well for me. Um, scoring tries there. Um, when we used to win the eighteen seventy two cup every year. <laughs> that was a good good run. I think it was five years in a row I won I won it before I left and now it seems to be a hard <laughs> trophy to what come was, by. What was that like? <laughs> um, it was a 
<laughs> faded memory I'm trying, <laughs> trying, trying to figure out um, but yeah so, so that was always good fun and then probably a couple that really stand out was when we put 50 on Munster um, at home one year um, because I enjoy beating Munster um, and they had like it was, they had their full team out it was like Rory Regara Paul O'Connell mm-hmm. and we just absolutely smoked them um, and then beating them in the semi-final to get to the final was pretty epic as well Fortunately, I left a year too soon, so I never got, got this. <laughs> I only got the silver medal. Uh, I'm yet, yet to get the the winners one. So hopefully, we can we can amend that. Pete Matthews was on the podcast last week, and he spoke about that monster game, the fifty pointer, and how it was like a shift in mentality. How that was kind of like a seminal moment. It was like, actually we can beat these teams. We can beat these teams well. We're no longer the. Did you do you remember feeling like that? Yeah, I think so. It was just it just seemed everything seemed to be aligning. Yeah, it was. It, Sort of probably pushed on, pushed us onto another level. That was like actually, yeah, we could really dominate teams and be a, a real driving force within the league. And we'd always been there, thereabouts, um, but maybe never quite had had it. Um, maybe the mentality at the and those big big games. And then, um, yeah, I think that was definitely one of those games that probably projected us up to to another tier um, at the time. And, Things yeah, the next couple of years went went from strength to strength, and especially at home at Scotstoun, um, not many teams could live with us. Um, talk about the one fiftieth, celebrating style with that try. <laughs> Nearly got two. <laughs> Should have had two. <laughs> Should have got two. What happened at the end there? Um, I cruised. I went down to third gear, thinking, <laughs> that, you, you thinking that I'd scored. I because uh, the guy inside me, I, he, I saw him giving up, so I was like, yes. And turned round to sort of take in the last few strides, and then next thing I know, I was getting attacked by a spider monkey behind me, and um, got well and truly crushed at the bottom of a, a pile up, which um, yeah took me by surprise um, and <laughs> a little bit of disappointment. I hurt my ribs as well at the same time, so it was all a bit of a it was <laughs> it was a lose lose situation yeah, for me then. Um, a fall from grace and like euphoric to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to so get run, in I don't run in 50 metre tries very often and I was like here we go and then um, yeah no I still can't make it <laughs> <laughs> what was the what was the chat after the game game of two halves I guess is the yeah without a doubt it's um, we were so clinical in the first half and it was weird because we either scored like first or second phase it was like everything that we were doing was, was coming off all the plans were working and then second half just all got a bit scrappy and they came out fighting um, fair play to them they didn't give up and um, they probably just won the battle of the breakdown and we couldn't get any sort of continuity we were coughing up the ball too much and especially when they were down to 14 men um, with Kana going off really thought we should, we should have put this foot and throat and, and pushed up to sort of 50-60 points but they, they dogged it out and Yes, we, there's things that we could have brushed up on, but um, it was nice to have sealed the, the five points fairly early. And then back, top of the conference, going into this little break, that uh, must be a really good feeling, a confidence boost, knowing that actually our, our fate's in our own hands now. Yeah, definitely. Um, we said we've still got one more game within this sort of Six Nations period, um, and if we can win, win that one at home against the Cheetahs, that will have put, done what we sort of set out to do. We... Uh, we have this like almost like a little mini Six Nations League where we, we have all the teams that we're playing, the teams that are in and around us, and we want to make sure we finish on top of that in this little period. And, and so far we're doing that, and 
if we if we win um, in a week and a half's time or two weeks, whenever it is, um, two weeks time, then it will be a yeah, it will be a successful period. And as you say, the fate's uh, our fate will be in our hands. And it's a tough running, like going over to Leinster and, and stuff like that, Edinburgh and Ulster at home. But um, we know we're we're good enough to to beat these teams and yeah, hopefully secure that home semi. The official Glasgow Warriors podcast. So to celebrate International's Women's Day last Friday, I thought I'd invite two women who do heaps behind the scenes here at Scotson onto the podcast. Part of our medical team here, Nicola McGuire and Gabby McCulloch. Guys, thanks for coming on. Um, do you mind just telling everyone what your job titles are to start with, and then we'll we'll dive into exactly what it is you do. Okay, no problem. Um, my name's Nicola and my role is clinical manager and lead physiotherapist for Glasgow Warriors. It has sort of two sort of steps to my role. One of it's a managerial side, so it's more budget and less sort of fun stuff. And then the other part has been physio, which is what I went to uni for, which is allows to you to help injured players and get them back on the pitch. Hi, and I'm Gabby. I'm rehab and team physio, so similar day-to-day role with acute injury management and pitch side coverage and then I also lead the group of injured boys in their return to play stage so anyone who's out longer than six weeks comes into a group with me until they're ready to play again. So you're kind of, I'm right saying you guys will float between lots of different departments, you're obviously involved heavily with rugby but then you'll have to link in with S&C a lot and then the team doctor, how does that all, what's that dynamic like? Well obviously it's very keen that we all work together as a group because everybody's goal is to get the players back available for the coaches so they can select the strongest team each week. So one of the big things we try and do that is on a Monday we always have a really good meeting together with the S&C, team doc, physios and um, Dave sometimes if he's available will sit in on that so it means we can discuss the whole playing squad and those that may need modifications for the week ahead and those that might not be able to make it for that week so then we start the planning stages of when we hope they will return to the field. And we have an awful lot to do with, your main focus is obviously injured players, but in terms of players who are fully fit, I'm sure you'll have lots of interactions with those guys as well. Yeah, so day to day, a lot of the, even if they're fully training, boys will be getting strapped or they've got rehab programs that are ongoing to keep them fully training, so that will be modified as required, or some people just want some general maintenance work, so there's always fit players that still require hands-on stuff as well. So what would a, what would a day-to-day look like, a, a regular training week? A regular training week, if you were to start, say it was a Friday game we were in on a Monday, we have an injury triage clinic, so players, if they think they're going to be limited in any way, sort of for the following week, they'll come in and be reviewed by one of the three physios and they've got the team docs available as well. And from that stage, then what we'll do is see if they might need modifications. Then we'll speak, obviously, in our meeting and work out who can do what. And then... If they're getting ready to train, there's a strapping and assessment window of players need to whatever they need to get onto the field, and then we have to go out and cover sessions, which I think people don't always realise that we are there pretty much as when a player's in the building, we are here. So, mm-hmm. in case anything happens on the training pitch from a first aid point of view, we'll be there. When the players are finished training at the end of the day, they might also have picked up knocks and bumps from the session, or they might be tight from a session, so there'll be treatment at that stage, and then. The, when the day's all finished we've got our medical notes to do and then obviously we get to go home and then it sort of flips over and the intensity of the week builds up with the build up to the game itself. There's this kind of Google culture now isn't it in terms of illness and stuff if just generally if people get a little bug they'll Google it and they'll convince themselves that they've got this horrible illness are the players just as bad? Are they? 
Are they, do, they, <laughs> do they worry that a little bump on the knee and all of a sudden it's an ACL and they're out for the rest of the season? Well, there's definitely some that like to think worst case scenario and then there's the opposite who think nothing's wrong with them and can't understand why you won't let them train on something that most people would be struggling to move with. Can't name some names. Who's, who, are the, who are the people who... Well, oh, there's some that you could think of easily that would push the limits and do stuff when they know they're not supposed to and then there's the extreme where they might be rolling on, around on the ground for a couple of minutes and then <laughs> two minutes later you look around and they're back fully training. I'm, I'm going to need names of people want names. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone within the building would know some examples for both but I'm not sure whether we should throw anyone under the bus or not. not. It must be difficult I guess because these boys are so determined to get out there and so desperate to out there so it must be difficult to kind of rein them in and kind of yeah and a lot have a really high pain threshold so they'll be saying or not it's only a one or a two out of ten when most other people might report it at an eight or nine so they downplay everything and it's figuring out where exactly they are it's quite a lot of what you do relationship building then i guess you've got to have like a high level of trust with these guys so that they know that you've all you've got is their best interests in heart so when it comes to a situation like that they they believe you and take your advice and yeah I think that's true I think trust in building relationships is really key I think especially within the sporting environment they're obviously a public figure so people mm-hmm. naturally want to know everything about them but we have to still be bound by our sort of regulations in the medical field so it's key of releasing amount of information for so people are aware of what's going on but protecting the players welfare and looking out for them so they need to know it's almost a wee bit like the, the hairdressers I would say in the physio room that we probably hear a lot of stuff that Get some gossip yes, <laughs> a lot of gossip but what they for them it's key to know that it doesn't leave that room and that mm-hmm. helps building relationships going forward and it was an international weekend this week I guess you guys can't really it's a break for us but you guys can't really enjoy watching international games because mm, no, <laughs> you still find yourself watching behind the play checking that everyone gets up off the ground rather than what's happened next so often you're watching replays of tries after mm-hmm. they've happened when you're watching so that game the other week wasn't good when you saw Glasgow players getting removed from injury dropping yeah. like flies in the first <laughs> half well, we were sitting yeah. in the stand like, oh no, there's another one. Yeah, I've got several players who refuse to come to rugby games with me because they hate watching it because you see things that they would never see at all because you can't help but watching out because though you want the result, you want the guys to come off the field at the end of the day, not injured, which unfortunately we had several in the last few games. But I think that's the same for everyone involved in the sport, isn't yeah. it? You mm-hmm. can, you, it's difficult to switch off. You can't go to a game. So from my point of view, I'm going to a game. I'm looking, oh, they've got some nice branding there. That's what like, <laughs> actually... I just need to watch the rugby. Yeah. Talk us through a match day then. Um, what time would you arrive to Scott? Say it's a Friday night kickoff. There, they're what we usually have. What time are you guys in from? It, we're always in from about three hours before kickoff, which I think surprises a few people if um, the time. But what we find is prepping. The game day setup is quite different from our day to day setup in the physio room. We've, we're quite fortunate. We've got a, a door that goes between the physio and the changing room, so it's all set up table strapping and everything in preparation for that there's always a strapping list to go up so players will be able to do that in the beginning of the week so they know what time they come in so it's very sort of flowing some players like to chat a lot some people don't so it's you just gauge on the personalities to what mm-hmm. happens there's also obviously making sure requirements are there for the away team that comes in so the doc and the some of the medics will have a chat there just to make sure for any emergency protocols or injuries that if you're not familiar with the ground then you know what's going to happen mm-hmm. Then once the players are all sort of ready, then we'll obviously some to go out cover the warm up where we'll get prepped and changed into waterproofs because being in Glasgow, <laughs> <laughs> waterproofs are required more than not. 
and then there's always two of us sometimes three sort of available at the games for strapping and then dealing with any injuries that come off and then there's now the Hawkeye sort of facility which is really good for player safety to try and help with the management of head injuries on the field that we can use that to try and help along the way which is great. So strapping like I know what strapping is but some people might not talk us through actually what is strapping is this am I right in saying it's people with previous injuries that need things tightened up shored up yeah some people get it if they've had an injury in the past and they're just conscious they could re-injure it in a game so some people get an ankle strapping for a game but wouldn't get it done during the week Mm -hmm. just for peace of mind I guess and some if they're returning from injury from a shoulder or a knee or something will get it for a certain period of time once they're back playing and and then there's the, a few in the team who get nothing but minimal. There's some boys that well, I would say have six or seven strappings <laughs> on per yeah. game. So there's jokes about tape budgets. <laughs> it's interesting you saying the boys having different routines on a game day. That's part of the relationship building, yeah. isn't it? Knowing that so and so doesn't is in the zone and doesn't want to say anything, just wants to be strapped. Whereas actually, so and so finds it relaxing to to have a bit of a conversation. How yes. long does that dynamic take to? I think they make it themselves, like some would come in with their headphones on and not take them off while you're strapping and they know, you know what you're doing with them because they're on the list all the time, so (laughs) you just don't even attempt to speak to them unless you have to tap them on the shoulder and ask them a question and then there's others who are walking around chatting to everyone and I think it is just what they're used to and because you know them, you just follow what they're up to really. So like everyone else, you your week culminates in the kickoff and the game but you you watch the game slightly different to everyone else you don't you're not following the ball i guess what are you in terms of scanning the field for injuries what signs are you looking for we'd look for people getting up off the ground so once the ball's gone has everyone who's at the bottom of a ruck got up or is there someone else in back play that stayed down for whatever reason and then who can get onto the field fastest from depending on what side of the field it is or location or is it safe for us to approach Right, okay. so I don't want to be run over by any 120 <laughs> <Yes>. men. <laughs> I know it's quite interesting, like how quick it is, because you're looking, like looking for what's been left behind, and then you're also focusing on the next hit as well. So course, there's multiple things. So the, it's how quite often at the end of the game somebody will say, "Oh, that was a great try," or that, and you've actually completely missed it. The one most recently for me would be probably when Tavita got his try and there was a massive run but George Turner dropped before that so I was actually on the field <laughs> him and didn't see the try happening and people go oh, it was a great try so it's you often don't see what's happened Is right it? in front of you because you're too concerned looking for them often people will it's a, it's a collision sport it's a, it's a painful sport obviously sometimes people will just take a couple of seconds to get up how is it just experience in terms of you knowing he's alright it's just he's getting his breath or whatever or do you have to treat everything like this could be serious? I think there's definitely a few that you know the individual and how fast the game has been that maybe somebody's taken an extra sort of couple of seconds but I think you would always keep an eye regardless I think the collision before it can give you a bigger indicator of maybe somebody but you might get some of the the front row for example it's been really fast and they've maybe taken a bit long you know they're Mm -hmm. maybe just catching their breath but you would always look out just to make sure and make sure they got up off the ground before you moved on and if you were concerned that they were taking longer then you would definitely go on to them. And then the first conversation you have with them usually gives it a way well, that, that are you alright yeah, and that then they'll like say that, yes or no. Yeah. Is that the question you ask? That was going to be... Or what is it? Generally if it's not anything obvious you'd say... So if someone, someone of, stays down yeah. you're the closest person you run over what's 
Yeah, I think it is like quite well. I think people ask slightly different things, but it's all good. And I always just say, like, like what's like, tell me, tell me what's happened, and what you get from that actually is level of their conscious level as well. Like, can they speak to you? Are they answering appropriately? So you get to know so that, a lot that how you very find quickly. Out if, it's a, if it's a head injury, yeah. It'll if be there's any, or there's a bit of confusion there, and also then if they know what source of the canal so their pain is, so you get a lot from just asking them such a basic question of tell me what's sore or what happens you can because sometimes if it's under a rock you might not have seen it mm-hmm. so it's keen for you to try and then we've got the bonus of you're mic'd up so you can ask for it to be reviewed by the video pitch side reviewer on the stand but if there's something well, you're not just sure. telling you they need a rest yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> which can happen yes how long to half time but it's a real high pressure environment that I can imagine because obviously you're in the middle of this cauldron regardless. Yeah. And then this could be a serious injury. No doubt you've got coaches in your ear wanting yeah. to know exactly Can what's I going on. <laughs> yeah, wanting to know exactly what's going on yeah. as quick as possible. What's, what's your process there? Do you just take a breath and go through, the, go through the motions? Normally the first person on would start an assessment and figure out and then the second person on, whether it was the doc or the other physio, depending where it was, would radio to coaches as to what was being assessed and give them an update and then there'd be a call as to whether they were fit to continue or not. So obviously you try and update the coaches as soon as possible because there's usually people warming up as far away from where they need to be as possible. Mm-hmm. Never happens when they're close to the sideline. But And you mentioned Hawkeye earlier. How, how, how helpful has that been for you guys in terms of your job? I think it's been like really good for us. Obviously concussion is really high profile and everybody always wants to do what's best for the, the player to protect their welfare. So what you find is, as I was saying, like at home it's almost easier sometimes to watch it because you're getting three or four different replays, whereas mm-hmm. we just see it live. So Hawkeye now allows us to get multiple camera angles so that we can have somebody in the stand because it is a very quick decision trying to make sure if somebody's fit to continue or not. So it means they can help you with what the footage they've seen that you've maybe not been aware of. So is it the, is it the doctor who's... It's an independent person looking at... A video from inside who can make a call and let one of us know that they need to be off and assessed so okay. we can ask for things to be reviewed but they can also make an independent call to bring someone off as well so there's two people looking for the best interests basically are you able to talk us through hia what uh, what that consists of everyone rugby fans will know what hia is but what what does a player go through when you're assessing if they've been through a head injury the bonus of the head injury assessment is that you've got a longer time to sort of sit with the player and what you quite often find is with a lot of head injuries, the symptoms evolve, whereas if you're on the field and it's a quick snap decision, then maybe some people were kept on the field when they, did, they weren't maybe capable of being on the field still. So the head injury assessment's key. What we've got is baseline tests and it's a SCAT, so it's a concussion assessment tool with additional some steps added into it. So we've got a, an iPad sort of tablet that you have a baseline on, and we've also got one post-rest, which can be closer to how you maybe present when you've been on the field. So the baseline's at the start of the pre-season, they set. So you get a baseline done every year just to make sure there's a standard setting, and what happens is when they go in to a quiet room, it's in from ours, it's down the tunnel along the corridor slightly, so it's a quiet room away from all action and no sort of interference or noise, and they get to run through the baseline in the same amount of time that like we've got 15 minutes window but they do it within that sort of time frame and is it and little, little puzzles then little mind memory there's memory short balance. term yeah balance short term recall long term memory balance lots of various things just to challenge all as much as we can nothing's completely foolproof but this is the closest we've got to mm-hmm. sort of as an additional tool 
what we could sometimes find is knowing the player's key because actually what you might find is that just as you're generally asking them questions when you're running through the tool that something will give you an instinct that they're just not right and if that's the case then it doesn't matter what result comes from the tool they will be removed permanently from the field of play so it's very good and something in addition and I think it's players themselves like having that because they feel that they're getting looked after to the best of everybody's ability with what they understand from concussion so far. So from your guys' point of view, what's a more successful game, a bonus point win or 23 fit players at the end? Injury free. (laughs) 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 Yeah, unfortunately. You never want to update coaches post-game if you've got nothing good to say. I guess regardless of if anyone's seriously injured, but there'll always be stuff after a game. What will people... What would you, a dressing room after the end of a game, what would you be doing in there? It's dependent on result. Yeah, it's always <laughs> a lot slower if we've lost, but if, it's, if we've won, generally people are keen to get out and upstairs as fast as possible, but there's always some sort of bumps and bruises, so we would do a, an assessment post-game and then people would come back in the morning so after So you wouldn't really do anything there and then, they just let you know? Not generally this. treatment, just assessment, decide whether anyone needs further investigations or then they'll come back in day two and see they're feeling whether anything's changed and then we can update coaches more as to what their training week's probably going to look like. There's quite a interesting group of injured players currently actually. <laughs> got some characters in there, they've got both co-captains, Stuart Hogg, how's that, how's that treating you guys? How are they? There's definitely some big personalities, I think Cully's <laughs> reining everyone in a bit at the moment, I'm, Sensible older I'm brother, a little bit worried about when he's back as to what the rest of the group might look like but um, at the moment they're they're all very motivated and everyone's got the same goal to get back on the pitch as fast as possible. So there's obviously, it was a bit interesting watching them play music to various countries, warming up for the European athletics on the track last week, depending <laughs> what country they were from. So what was this, sorry? Well, Sweden were warming up and then ABBA was placed. Oh, uh, I see. Speaker. So this was the, the things at Scottsdale. And, and then we... a Ukrainian folk song came on <laughs> when they were running up and down the track, which some laughed at, some carried on, <laughs> oblivious to what was going on. But yeah, there's some definite characters, but it makes the day less boring for everyone around them, I think. I can imagine so. Um, the coaches will always quite like, obviously be desperate for these guys to be back as soon as possible. How do, how do you manage that in terms of do you, when, when you know the, say someone has an operation, do you always give them worst case scenarios so that actually there's a good news story in there or are you realistic with them in terms of their return to play? We always have a best case and a more realistic, so we'd give a realistic target but say this is what we're aiming for and whatever is the fastest possible time frame and so long as I think you've justified where they need to be at what stage to that for that to be possible then they're happy with that. There's no point giving worst case scenario and then trying to make everyone get back faster than that when you can try and cut mm-hmm. as many weeks down as possible. But obviously there's pressures every day about having as many fit people mm-hmm. as possible. And they'll always joke, whatever scenario you give them, a coach always takes two weeks <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. But but they do, they do know that we'll get them back as quick as safely as we can sort of thing and we always go for what is the quickest and safest return. As of, we can. of that injured group we spoke about, who who are we seeing next out there? Who's our next who's our next fit player? Hopefully Callie and Jonesy aren't too far away. They'll be the next two off my list, hopefully. When was the last time you had a you've got your whiteboard in your physio room with uh, No, we've never had no one on. I was about to say, <laughs> when's the, don't say that <laughs> when's the, the last we're, the we're longest last week it. was twelve um, last year was twelve. We were at the moment we're sitting on 
seven, I think. Yeah. Last Six season, I'm sure there's one point. Yeah, I think we, we had quite two on excited, it at yeah. one point. I think we finished the season with one on it, maybe. Yeah. But no, it's but very. You've never, you've never had a blank board. No, no. <laughs> that's no. the goal. That's, that's, the, that's the, the dream. dream. <laughs> yep, absolute dream that would be. But then, hmm. what would we do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have some yeah. spare time. <laughs> Just enjoy the day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, guys, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having us. Jack and Ashy with the weekly Glasgow Warriors podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Warriors Weekly. We are back at Scottsdale a week on Saturday against the Toyota Cheetahs. Kickoff is at a quarter to eight, and you can get tickets now at glasgowarriors.org. Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy.